Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for speaking. Yes, there's no meaning of our coming if you're not coming. There's no meaning of my speaking if you're not here to to bring out something because I have little to offer, but thank you for giving me this opportunity. So we're going to continue as requested by our authority to go through the uh, Sandarbhas of Srila Jiva Goswami. Um, keeping, keeping everything in perspective, we can see the significance of Srila Jiva Goswami's uh, Satsandarbhas in that he was the younger of the Goswamis. So he acquired a wealth of knowledge from the association of the older direct associates of Sri Chaitanya. He was a direct associate, but his time frame was very, very limited. He was young, very young at the time. So, um, but he took all of those teachings um, from Sanatan and Vishwanath, um, not Vishwanath, but uh, Rupa Goswami, uh, Gopal Bhatta Goswami, in fact, at the, uh, in the beginning of his Sandarbhas, he points out that he's simply taken the notes of Gopal Bhatta and formulated them into some presentation. He's taking no credit himself. So, uh, But what we have here in the Sandarbhas of Srila Jiva Goswami is a very comprehensive um, utilization of Srimad Bhagavatam as the primary praman establishing the Madhvagodya Sampradaya. Um, unique in so many ways, this Madhvagodya Sampradaya. Uh, generally in the Sampradaya, what establishes it is a commentary on the Vedanta Sutra by the primary exponent of some some significant spiritual um, revelation. They've come to some new, deeper understanding of what the Vedanta Sutra means, what the Vedas mean. So they give some commentary and bring out this new understanding that they've acquired. The Gaudias. Well, who needs the Vedanta Sutra? Basically, yeah, Vedanta Sutra. We have the Srimad Bhagavatam, and in the Srimad Bhagavatam, we have everything. We find everything there. Um, so even though the Gaudias, uh, you know, they, for, for a mature commentary on the Vedanta Sutra, we go to the Srimad Bhagavatam. It's very simple. So what we see in the Sandarbhas is this application of the Srimad Bhagavatam as the primary source of evidence called Pramana. This primary Pramana is the Srimad Bhagavatam and we see Jiva Goswami use it like a magic wand to bring out all the various truths regarding the Supreme. And 
you can see by his utilization, by this utilization of the Bhagavatam as the primary Praman, why, from the Gaudiya perspective, there's no necessity of any other commentary on the Vedanta Sutras. There's no necessity because everything is there in the Bhagavatam. And what we've noted up to this point is we're starting to gradually acquaint ourselves with how much rich, deep, theistic revelation is in one simple sloka of the Bhagavatam, which can be presented in a myriad of different ways to bring out more and more revelation regarding the Supreme. And we see this, of course, characterized in the teachings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu personally. He was he was personally adept at taking one sloka and giving a myriad of meanings. And then asked to repeat what he meanings he'd already provided to one Vaishnav, to one person to to convert them to Vaishnavism. Oh, I've heard that you gave 50, 60 meanings to this verse. What were those meanings? Could you give those to me? I can't really remember what I said, but I can give you some meanings to the verse. This verse that, you know. So, we see that being brought out repeatedly in Jiva's text of the Siddharbas. We see this this deep milking of the Surabi cow of the Bhagavatam for just unlimited quantities of spiritual revelation. So we're at a point in his Sandarbha's very beginning where he's establishing um, the nature of the Absolute. Vedanti tat tat vavidas tat vam yash janam advayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavaniti sabjate. People, different people have different ways of approaching spirituality. But it's all contained in one package. But based on how you worship, Vedanti tat tat vavidas. How what your what your understanding your tattva is? How you look at the supreme? Well, he kind of reveals himself according to that approach, provided the approach is is authorized. But what's authorized in the shastra, as far as pr- approaching the supreme? It's a pretty wide birth of Brahmati, Paramatmati, Bhagavaniti, Subjate. And you get to the point of Bhagavan, and then it's like, well, who's your Istadeva? Which manifestation, personality wise, of God 
really lights your fire of spiritual inquiry. Is it, who is it? It could be so many. The Lord's incarnations are unlimited. We can't come to an end of them. His qualities are unlimited. We can't come to an end of that. And the deepness of the understanding of the Lord, we're never going to get to the bottom of that either. So, forever students. But it's a beautiful, it's, it's a great school to be in because the teachers are great and the, the education is just overwhelming. And every class you walk into is is presented in a new and vibrant way and such and and it's just thrilling to to really enter into the bhagavatam and the deepness of it and present it uh, you know so that's what jiva's doing for us this is how you use the bhagavatam to reach the gaudiya conclusion he has a bias don't kid yourself <laughs> There's a bias there in these Gaudiya Vaishnavs. They think they know the they think their conception of God is the best. And guess what? They can prove it. <laughs> Using what? The Bhagavatam. They're very expert at that. So we're trying to follow in that line. And we're happy, happily situated here. So we're at an interesting stay place here where we left off and where we're again going to take up uh, in the Bhagavat Sandarbha. Um, systematically, Jiva's been introducing us to the nature of the Absolute. Uh, first, he established in the Tattva Sandarbha. So this well, is the second Sandarbha? Yeah. This is the second of the six Sandarbhas. The first four Sandarbhas deal with Sambandha Gyan. And basically those four deal primarily, they're primarily, they're Praman, the verse that they revolve around. What do we call that? Uh, um, like Yeah, kind of like for the Sandarbhas, you could say that uh, the Parivash Sutra is Vedanti Tat Tat Vavidas, Tat Vamyas Janamadvayam. Jiva is very much into letting the reader know that you can approach the Supreme differently. You can see there's different schools of thought. And they all when seen in the proper light of the Gaudiya Vaishnav lamp, are all pointing to Krishna. Krishna stu Bhagavan Swayam. So, when people are attracted to Brahman, they're attracted to Krishna. And Paramatma, they're attracted to Krishna. And Krishna is that, is that conception which is all comprehensive all-encompassing. So, he's established the Bhagavatam as his pri primary praman, as his primary commentator on the Bhagavatam. He's relying upon Sridhar, 
Swami, it's commentary. I guess there weren't a lot of commentaries on the Bhagavatam that the Gaudiyas had available to them. Not in Goswami didn't have. Well, there, there were those contemporary ones. You know, which we now have... But if you look... Um, and here again, I don't know the uh, the depth of the work that was done or have not sourced it out. I've received a, uh, a Bhagavatam with the Tikas of Jiva and Vishwanath and Sanatan Goswami. I think those three... Is there one more? No. And, and most of their commentaries for Sanatan... It's it's practically all in the in the tenth canto. So there's not a lot of commentary on the other cantos. Mm-hmm. Vishwanath is your is your main Gaudiya Vaishnav commentator, and of course he came after the Goswamis. And uh, that one that Prabhupada had had like five commentaries, or is this the one that you have? Well, it's the the one I have. They must have not done all of them. <laughs> I can give you a copy if you want. I've broken it down into separate cantos so it's digestible. Before you couldn't even open the file, it was so large. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I tried. Yeah, I did too. I tried giving a class from it in Poland and it crashed my iPad. (laughs) So anyway, we have it in parts. You can look at it. So you have, so basically those commentaries of, and Jiva Goswami's Kramasam Darba, I don't know what's up with that. I don't know, Maharaj, do you? Because in reading, I mean, the Jiva Institute, Sachin Orion, whose who's Sundarva translation and commentary we're using for this presentation of the Sundarvas, he doesn't make, I don't see any, where he's ever brought out the Krama Sundarva of Jiva Goswami and quoted anything from it. So I don't know its available availability to us or what, ex, you know. So I'm sorry. I'm I'll try to. I'm still trying to find out. Um, but you'd think he would. If anybody would have it, he would have it. And if anyone has studied it, he would have studied it, and he would have utilized it in presenting the Sandarvas of Jiva Goswami. Right. So. But basically what we see, what Jiva himself used for as far as commentary on the Bhagavatam was Sridhar Swami's commentary. Not Sanatan Goswami's, and of course not his own. And then Vishwanath, who we can easily say Vishwanath is our primary Gaudiya commentator on the Bhagavatam, uh, you know, as far as in the mood of the Goswamis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Prabhupada's presentation is there, but his mood of the Goswamis is the Chaitanya Charitamrita commentary. His broad stroke approach to Krishna consciousness uh, in a worldwide uh, framework is his Bhagavatam commentary, but he does paint with a rather wide brush whereas Vishwanath is very much tuned into to pushing specifically uh, the Istadeva of, of 
Sri Krishna in Vraj. So the Bhagavat Sandarva, we have the the Bhagavatam established as the primary praman in the Tattva Sandarva, and Sridhar Swami's used. Use, uh, using Sridhar Swami's commentary. And Jiva comes right out and says, I'm going to use Sridhar Swami's commentary, except where his commentary pushes the, the Advaitin view. So he, he tells the reader, don't expect to see those commentaries. Although Sridhar Swami did bait those people, encourage them in their Brahmavad conception in his commentary, you know, we would look at that as a preaching strategy. <laughs> so now we're at the Bhag- Bhagavat Sandarva, and he's teaching us what what does this verse mean? How do we understand what is transcendence as opposed to what is Nescience, what is ma- the material nature? And we're now just coming over the threshold of the center of the book, and we're at the 60, 63rd Anucheda. Interesting Anucheda. Uh, for the uh, translator, gives this Anucheda a, a nice little title No One Falls from Vaikuntha. <laughs> So we're going to start out, where am I, am I in my, oops, I'm in the wrong thing, excuse me. No one falls from Vaikuntha. Now, there's been some discussion regarding this particular Anucheda in contemporary Gaudiya Vaishnav community, but specifically because our, my spiritual master and a lot of your spiritual master, direct disciples of A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, experienced his uh, preaching strategy, and I'm going to come right out and say this was a preaching strategy. Why he employed it? We're kind of told that it's not ours to question why the Acharya uses one means or another to get his point across because we could speculate as to what we could speculate in the wrong way as to what and why his objectives were were executed and his intent put forward in a particular way so we don't some would say well it was because of this the background of his students i could i have my own speculations yeah. And I could, I, I feel that they're they're well founded, um, but be whatever we may feel. His divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada, did say. Sometimes. Sometimes, in particular circumstances, that the jiva, who is now in the material realm was at one time situated in a relationship, a direct relationship with Krishna. He's very clear about it in some of his letters. Uh, in 
Goloka Vrindavan. You were with Krishna. But that is a preaching strategy and it has to be seen as such because we find in his books primarily he gives the Siddhanta of the Madhvagodya Sampradaya which he represents. A couple places he'll say it say it in such a way that you could take could take it to mean you you were in Vaikuntha. But in the place in the Bhagavatam where it's specifically dealt with, he doesn't leave any room for misunderstanding. So before we go into the deepness of this particular Anucheta as presented like by Jiva, um, I thought it would be appropriate to give you from the horse's mouth, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada's personal commentaries on the Bhagavatam where he gives the definitive Siddhanta of the Madhvagadiya Sampradaya which he represents. These commentaries, these statements that I'm going to read from his books are from his purports. They deal primarily with the pastime of the descent of Jaya and Vijaya into the material world in order to perform a specific service for the Lord. So they were situated in Vaikuntha. I'm sorry you can't really use the they were at the gate argument here, but I'm not going <laughs> to dive deeply into that in this class. Um, they were residents of Vaikuntha. And they were they came here specifically uh, for the purpose of serving Krishna, and he arranged it. He wanted that service. He needed a good fight. It had been a while. This could be one explanation. <laughs> but let's take these comment these comments by Bhaktivedanta Swami from his purports and just hear him directly giving the Siddhanta. Most of these are from the third canto. Um, Purport, do you want to know the verses? You won't remember them. The only one verse that is of interest to me is the one where he says, Mars Yudhisthira, I can't believe, or was it Pariksit? I can't believe that someone... It's Yudhisthira Maharaj. That was his comment, yes. And that's what brought about the whole, the whole narration of Jaya and Vijaya. So, the Nichasiddha devotees never fall down to the region of the material atmosphere. Well, that's their Nichasiddhas. So, that's, that's understandable. Another poor port. In the Vaikuntha world, there is no disharmony between the Lord and the residents. Therefore, God's creation in the Vaikuntha world is perfect. There is no cause of fear. The entire kingdom of God is such a complete harmonious unit that there is no possibility of enmity. Everything there is absolute. Also from the third canto. 
again from the third canto. Now we're being specific in the 15th chapter. From Vedic scriptures, it is understood that sometimes even Brahma and Indra fall down, but a devotee in the transcendental abode of the Lord never falls. The conclusion is that no one falls from the spiritual world or Vaikuntha planet, for it is the eternal abode. That's a different separate purport. Um, another purport, a devotee once accepted by the Lord never can never fall down. That is the conclusion of this incident. Now we come to specifically Jaya and Vijaya. Uh, the eternally liberated living entities are in the spiritual world, Vaikuntha Jagat, and they never fall into the material world. Now the concluding definitive statement. Therefore it is to be understood that when Jaya and Vijaya descended to this material world, they came because there was something to be done for the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Otherwise, it is a fact that no one falls from Vaikuntha. So, Vaikuntha is a Chutapada a place devoid of fall-down. No one falls from that abode. Tutokalanam. Now I'm going to read a little bit directly from this 63rd Anucheta. Uh, this is Jiva himself uh, writing. Uh, and he begins by quoting Kapiladev and his instructions to his mother from the third canto, um, the verse, Atho vibhutim mamamayavinastam aishvaryam astangam anu pravritam shriyam bhagavatim vasprihayanti badram parashyame te nu vate tu loke Thereafter, they do not hanker. Thereafter, they do not hanker after any opulence stored for them by my Maya, nor for the eight ensuing yogic paranormal powers, nor even for the transcendental glory of God. And yet, these benign gifts become effortlessly available to them in my supreme abode. So. Kapilotev is telling his mother, this is the intent of someone situated in pure devotional service. They basically don't want anything on the material plane. They don't want to be above the standard material plane and have yogic siddhas. They don't want to be, they really don't even care about the transcendental plane. They don't want to reside and have the same opulences as God. They just want to love God. That's pure devotional service. That's what my pure devotees want. This is the section where Kapila Dev is specifically talking about pure unalloyed devotion. It's so overwhelmingly sweet and wonderful my devotees don't care for anything else. 
Now, Jiva Goswami breaks down the verse, pulling it apart and explaining what exactly is Kapila saying in this what seems to be a simple sloka to his mom. <laughs> the word ata thereafter means after the removal of ignorance. So he's going to go, he's going to give a word for word meaning of the verse, just like we saw our spiritual master do in his presentation of the Bhagavatam. But he puts a little prose in the in the word for word. So it's word for word with commentary built in. The word atta there after means after the removal of ignorance. So someone's coming to the platform of of transcendence. They're no longer influenced by the Lord's external material energy. It's a pretty advanced stage. And we're going to talk. I brought in a little bit of Vishwanath into next the next class <laughs> about the significance of seeing these stages of advancing devotional service. So we, we need to see where we are to see where we're headed and we need to be able to, to have confidence that, that everything that we're studying, you know, with Jiva, everything we're learning about the nature of the Absolute is going to be revelation to us in due course. That revelation begins now. It's already begun. Every time you read these transcendental literatures, the literatures themselves are non-different from the Absolute. So every time you read or hear or associate with the devotees and hear, this, hear these commentaries and these leelas again and again, more and more meaning comes to us. That's called spiritual revelation. We can't look at it as anything other than that. So the fact that Krishna hasn't come up and shaken your hand yet, it doesn't mean he's not doing his, his work. He's there. He is invisible. He may have shaken your hand. <laughs> you just didn't recognize it. So you have to see that the, re the, the work of purification and revelation and deeper and deeper understanding ha has already begun from the first day when you have association with Krishna's devotees, his pure devotees, it's, you're immediately brought under this, into this continuing re revelation. And it's only going to get better. And what what was what begins by hearing, this hearing sense is a great beginning. It's very comprehensive, this, this sense of hearing. But as we continue, Krishna's going to take over all of our senses, one by one, or all together. It's all, you know, who can say? But the point is that the revelations have begun. Back to the word atta. 
thereafter means after the removal of ignorance. The term by my maya. So this removal of ignorance has already started. And we're going to look at, at, at a little bit of what uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti has to say about the stages of advancing devotion. Because as we go through Jiva Goswami's Swami, breaking out of this uh, knowledge regarding the nature of the Lord's transcendental abode uh, through this particular Anucheta, uh a lot of the terminology re- relative to Rasatattva comes out from Jiva. The term by my Maya, Mama Maya, means by my mercy upon the devotee. Achita, stored, means made manifest or available for the sake of those devotees. So Kapila is telling his mom, there's nothing material that I don't keep available for my devotees. They don't want it, but it doesn't matter. It's all available to them. And Jiva's going to bring that out with another verse uh, um, next in in relationship with Sudama. So, the devotees don't care about anything material, but there's nothing that I don't keep in storage for them. They're going to have it all. They're going to get the whole treasure chest of material experience and enjoyment as a side benefit. It's in I it's my Maya and they're mine and I'm theirs and we're all gonna it's all available to them. Nothing is going to be missing. So I store it up for them for the sake of my devotees. Vibhuti, opulences, refers to paraphernalia appropriate for enjoyment and ashvarya to the eight yogic paranormal powers. Astangaishvarya, such as anima, atomization, becoming like as big as an atom. Atomization. Atomization. Like when Indra entered the womb of Diti and performed an abortion. Her, the strength of the bhakti she was performing that she didn't know she was performing. Guess what? Her spiritual master, her husband, cheated her. So sometimes the guru could cheat us for our own good. It's another story that we could narrate now, but I will. I'll narrate it now. We've heard about the Lord killing demons for the benefit of the demigods. So, two of the demons that the Lord killed were the offspring of Diti. Diti was married to Kashapa. So, uh, two of her offspring, both Hiranyaksha and Hiranyakasipu, were killed by the Lord personally with the help of Indra. Well, Dita didn't 
she held it against Indra. There's no mentioning of her holding a grudge against the Lord himself. But Indra, who instigated the Lord to do this killing on his behalf, uh, he was responsible. So she went to her husband and she requested a boon. She didn't really come out with her full intent, but she got him to agree through the cunning nature of a loving wife uh, to give her what she wanted. And then she told him what she wanted. So what she wanted is she wanted to have a son, an offspring, who could kill Indra. So, well, she was a little cunning in getting getting what she wanted for her husband. Her husband was a little cunning in giving her what she requested from him. So he said, okay, we can do that. Uh, I'm going to give you a, a vow to perform, a vrat. It's going to take almost a year, shy of half a moon. Just, just shy. So, it uh, begins in the Krishna month. What is it, Mana Marsa Seka? Mm-hmm. And it ended uh, in uh, Kartik month, uh, in the middle of Kartik. So, it was a vow where she had to, she had to do a lot of stuff and be very careful about, you know sleeping the right way, not sleeping too much or too little, eating too much or too little. And uh, Indra, Indra's tuned into this whole thing, uh, and he knew what her intent was. Now, her husband's intent was, I'm giving her a Vaishnavrat. She has to worship Vishnu every morning and, you know, say prayers to Vishnu. What's going to happen over the course of, of this almost year is her heart's going to soften and she's going to lose this desire to kill Indra and have a son that can kill Indra. So it'll be good for her, be good for Indra, be good for me that I don't, you know, create some disturbance in the human society. So it'll be good for everyone. So he, he cheated his wife, but you know, such are the affairs of marriage. There's maybe cheating on both sides from time to time. As I said, she didn't really reveal the whole purpose of her her request until she got an affirmative, yes, I'll do it. Okay, now this is what it's going to be. <laughs> so, Indra's, Indra took a form and became her no, it doesn't say male or female form, but her her hand servant was there every step along the way, knowing the exact instructions of the vrat. With a vrata, you know, a a, a penance, a, a austerities. It has to be performed perfectly, basically. Now. A, Interestingly enough, hers was a Vaishnav rot, so it didn't have to be performed perfectly. But still, she was trying to do it perfectly, and and it was presented to her in such a way that perfection would be required. And 
Indra thought it was needed to be perfectly done, so he uh, he hung around and, and made sure he was there to see when she slipped up. Sure enough, she was super tired one evening, and in her being a little tired, she forgot to uh, properly wash after eating. She, she didn't do achman after eating, and she uh, laid down, and when she laid down, she didn't face her head to the east, she faced her head to the west. So that was that was the end for Indra. Okay, you messed up now. I can I can do my business. So he uh I guess she must have been pregnant at the time. The Bhagavatam version that I'm reading with Vishwanath's translation and commentary doesn't specifically say, but he Indra entered into her body through this siddha, atomization. Mm. He went into her womb and he sliced it up into seven pieces. And just to make sure that the job was done, he cut each of those seven pieces into seven pieces. So now there's 49 pieces of womb. But it was a Vaishnav rot. So nothing could really interfere with it because that's the power of devotional service over karmakanda activities it was all it was a so there's some real significance to that portion of the story in and of itself he wasn't able to kill just 48 additional jivas entered into those little pieces of of body and came out as the Maruts and they were all devotees Haribo they became servants of Indra instead of killers of Indra they became servants of Indra of course in the commentary I'm reading of Vishwanath Chakravarti he's there showing how the words of Kashyapa can be taken this way or that way and if they're taken that way then it's not going to be Indra's enemy, just like with uh, Ritrasura and Twasta and his mispronounced words and his. Uh, so it's very interesting. So this atomization, the demigods have this down. Devotees, they don't want it. They have no desire. So, because uh, you know, Kapila is telling his his mother, even even this. No desire. These powers systematically ensue, Jiva goes on in his commentary here, Anuprarita, it is their very nature to be made available as a consequence of pure devotion. You all are going to be yogic cities. You're going to have them all. You'll never use them because you have no desire to use them. You just, they can't, they don't hold a fig to what is the real fruit of pure devotional service. But there's nothing that the Supreme Lord has that he doesn't give his devotee. So he also has these opulences and uh, when, when the, the Vaishnav is, is perfected. Uh, 
All these things are available to him, but sometimes he'll use them in, the, in his service if there's a necessity. The devotees do not desire any of the above, nor even the transcendental glory of ba- God, Bhagavatim Shriyam, which here, in this particular verse spoken by Kapila, Jiva is saying, here, what I see in this verse by Kapila is he is referring to the majesty of Sarsti. So Sarsti is one of the five kinds of liberation, which means to have the same opulences as the Supreme. Or in other words, those divine opulences that are particular to the Lord himself. The reasons why they don't desire any such opulence is that they yearn only to expand God's own bliss through abandonment to all-consuming devotional love and service. Even though they have no desire for any of the above-stated gifts, they certainly enjoy asnuvate them, meaning that they become fully available to them in my supreme abode, Loke, known as Vaikuntha. So Jiva's basically taken this verse and he's making the point of these opulences are coming as a consequence of pure unalloyed devotional service naturally. Opulences on the material plane, opulences at the top of the material lane, material siddhas, like the yogis strive for lifetimes, the devotees have no desire for, but they're automatically awarded them. This shows the Lord's special affection for his devotees. Here again, I'm, I'm still reading Jiva's direct Anucheda which is also exemplified in the benediction given to Sudam, the florist in Mathura. So now Jiva goes on and, and he fortifies what Kapila said by quoting another section of the Bhagavatam. Sudam entreated the Lord that he may be blessed with unflinching devotion for him, the self of all existence. Krishna said, oh yeah, that's okay. No problem. With heartfelt friendship toward his devotees and with the broadest and highest compassion for all living beings. That's all he wanted. He wanted to love God and love everybody else too. And that's all he wanted. That was it. The Lord not only granted Sudama all these, but also awarded him ever-increasing prosperity for his family as well as strength, longevity, fame, and beauty. Just threw those in as like, you know. Prema and change. Yes, nicely put. (laughs) Prema and change. (laughs) Kapila Dave indicates that all opulences, including those of the highest realm of Brahma Loka, are fully available to such devotees as experiential possibilities, yet they make no use of them considering them completely devoid of significance or substantiality and thus unsuitable for their use. 
Ah, but let's raise a doubt. Jiva always likes to throw in a doubt that could be raised so that he could defeat that doubt. If Vaikuntha is just another planet, Loka, Vaikuntha Loka, undistinguished from other planets, like Siddha Loka and so on, then sooner or later the experiencer's enjoyment of this realm will come to an end. And in the next class we'll read the response. Are there any questions? We'll just be doubting all week. <laughs> no, it's only three days. <laughs> I have to do something. Put the billboard up somewhere to get you to come back. You know. Thank you so much for your association. Thank you.